words today. Um, well, that introduction wasn't right. Let me do the introduction again. Welcome to the HodgePodge Podcast. I am your host, as always, D. Hodge, but you guys already know that. That's the correct introduction. So, a lot to cover real quick, because this is a long podcast. T-shirts are now available. Um, I put it up on my Instagram at I am Mr. Dylan Hodge. If you guys want one, put up all the information there. I'm going to... I was going to just give them away. But then I thought about it and I said, you know what, I'm going to sell them for... 15 bucks and if I can't sell them for $15 then something is going to have to work because here's the deal I'm not going to tell you how much I paid for them but it wasn't much less than $15 there's that that's (laughs) that's the deal I didn't pay more but I didn't pay anything you know I'm not going to be making you know 13 bucks I didn't get them made for a couple dollars I got them made for a little bit more than that um and that and there is a very limited supply very limited supply left um I think I ordered for the first time I just ordered 20 shirts and I have about 13, 14 or so left, maybe a little bit less. Um, what I was going to cover a couple more things. Um, the first one was being the shirts. The second one, oh, I had one of the biggest guests on the podcast that I've ever had. And when I say that, I'm being 100% legitimate. Oh. I, I, I can say, but I don't want to say. I'm not going to. I'm just going to leave it at that. It's a big... You're not... You're not okay. You're not going to know the name of the person... Unless you're a big music nerd. Like myself. You're not going to look at it and go, holy crap, you got that guy. You're not going to know that. And that's why I'm not going to put just his name in the title. I'm going to put, you know, whatever he does in the title as well. So, yeah. I don't really have a lot to say now. Um. I have not caught the coronavirus just yet. I have stayed away from that. You guys know how I catch every single thing that everybody gets. And as it happened, I haven't been that sick this year. Well, it's only March. So let's um, pray for that. (laughs) And I know that I say this every week, but... 
If you like what you're listening to, give me a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening to that right now, all you got to do is just scroll down, hit the five-star. It's only going to take you two seconds. Write a little review, send it in, and that helps me grow into the podcast charts because Lord knows I need it. <laughs> also, if you can, go follow me over on Instagram at I am Mr. Dylan Hodge, at the HodgePodge Podcast. Twitter is at I am Mr. Dylan Hodge. I'm not really on there. I don't really post that much. But you do want to send me an email, give me your thoughts, you don't like me, anything like that, what I need help on, what I should get, even suggestions for guests. I've had somebody say, why don't you get this person on? Well, send it over to me at thehodgepodgeproductions at gmail.com. That is my business email. I'm not going to give you my personal all right, that's enough from my life, my daily life. Let's go over to the introduction for today's guest. Hello, everyone. It's Murph from Jokers. I'm here in my hotel room. There's my blankie. These things are not important. Here's what is. You've made a choice to listen to the HodgePodge podcast. Not a bad choice, my friend. You are making good decisions in life. Subscribe now and anywhere that podcasts are All right. On today's podcast, I am joined by the brilliant black artist, Anthony Briscoe. And the reason I say black artist is because we really get into the black culture of black artists and what it's like being a black man in the music business and what it's like being a black man in the average daily world. I think it's very fascinating. I was actually able to ask him a couple of questions that I wouldn't feel comfortable asking in a way because I thought it would be racist. But we got along so well that I figured I would ask it and say, screw it, I'm going to ask it. And I think it's very fascinating and very informational. So Anthony Briscoe is the lead singer for the all-black group Down North. You're going to hear about him taking ballet at age five, growing up in choir. You're also going to hear the infamous story never before told about why Down North does not play in Seattle, Washington. So here we go. Let's go over right now to my good bud, Anthony Briscoe. So, um, you are, uh, the front man lead singer for, uh, Down North. Mm-hmm. That's my instrument. That's what I call it. I call it the front man instrument. That's that's instrument I play. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Briscoe. Um, your manager actually, uh, was, I was actually contacting your management people for to get a couple or to get another artist on here and they were like well have you ever checked out down north and I said no I don't think I've ever heard of them guys uh, heard of those guys or that one person because I wasn't aware at the time and they were like well dude give them give, give them um, give them a look up give them a chance on their music and see what you think and um and actually like you guys because I don't get people on here that I'm not a fan of or I don't like their music. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I want to get you down here and, uh, and get you on and uh, you can tell your story, man. So, uh, yeah. Oh. So. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, man. So so for, for those of you who don't know Down North, they are um, 
signed with Wilson Entertainment, which is home of like um, Huey Lewis in the News, um, um, uh, Hall and Oates. Which one of my favorite bands. Another one of my favorite bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but for me, Anthony, you remind me, your band reminds me, and I hope this is meaning this as a compliment, kind of like a Prince meets B.B. King kind of put together kind of genre. Cash was still acoustic and they were pushing him to go electric because the Beatles went electric and the Beach Boys went electric. So, yeah, yeah. I, do, I do understand when you say like Prince was in his realm of let's just let's just let's use um, let's, let's use traditional pop as just where we're going from this. He took traditional pop, Prince stood up and made it a newish kind of uppity uppity yeah. pop. Yeah, he was able to see that new wave was coming, and he was like, all right, there needs to be two princes. I mean, that's why he had the, the time, because he was like, you know, the R&B stuff he still wants to be a part of, but he couldn't be a part of it. He was like, I need to branch out, I need to, there's MTV, you know, and I can, you know, I, I but they weren't letting black artists play at the time. He was like, well, mm-hmm. what's the way that I can get on there more is if I make this movie, you know, there's just a force in the place. You know, it's like making power moves and stuff like that. I really, um, not just uh, uh, as a musician and as mm-hmm. an artist, but as a businessman, you know, uh, taking uh, the, the power and uh, of, of your creativity and say, nah, you know, like you, you refuse to work with Nas because it's like, you have your mask. You don't want to be messed up with that publisher stuff. Look at Jason and, and um, 
and 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 P Diddy right now trying to get his publishing rights. Uh uh-uh, uh, but <laughs> this ain't trying to hear that. I'm going on a rant about Prince. So I'm sorry about that, but my bad is bring up Prince and then I get into it. <laughs> right, right, and it's kind of. The way I look at it is he's the opposite of what Elvis was because Elvis went to movies to be more successful, but Prince made yeah. Purple Rain to let people know who he was and he wasn't just a black artist that needs to be played on radio. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and Prince, uh, he defined what, what pop and what music really is what it is now. Like it's all like yeah. like what if Prince never would have come out with you know like Purple Rain or any of those songs like that? What have you ever sat back and thought about that? What would what would music be like now without Michael Jackson, without Prince, without you know? Well, Eminem? I mean, sonically, sonically, and I think that you know to an extent, and I and I, I guess I get into it a lot when people want to come to this because I'm a, I'm a huge. Michael Jackson, I mean, you know, wear penny loafers on stage, and, wow. I, you know, my, my spins and stuff are emulated from, you know, his ballet training and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and so I'm a huge, huge Jackson and Michael Jackson fan, but I also see the limitations of, well, not, not limitations, but mm-hmm. control, control chaos that right. was put on in the music back then, that kind of to an extent, like, like Stevie Wonder, mm-hmm. he was able to bring this jazz type sure. of drumming into play, especially when he was playing the stuff himself. And, uh, like, you know, you hear the wild uh, 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 hi-hat, you know, ringing out, uh, you know, like, yeah, two hi-hats, one in one year and one in the other year. And, like having the, the the toms have an effect on them and all that stuff. Like he was experimental, but it was wild. It was like taking what uh, Miles Davis was doing with uh, with Bitches Brew, mm-hmm. and and just 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 going crazy with it, especially with you know him experimenting with electronic sounds and stuff like that. And you know it's it's like you have. This, 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 you know, wildness to it, but then, you know, Billie Jean came in and put right. stones, and, you know, I, I was reading the thing where, and, and I talked to a couple of drummer cats who worked uh, with Michael Jackson, and Quincy Jones would take away the top. So you would just have snare, kick, one crash, and um, that was it. You ain't had no top. Mm-hmm. And if you hear on Billie Jean, there's really no feel. And even in the songs, like, I was listening to one of my favorite songs is On the Floor, which is on the Off the Wall album. And um, I, was, I was looking at the multi-tracks, because I'm, I'm really crazy about, like, going and looking at uh, multi-tracks, recordings, and just, like, just studying them, and, uh, of the studio film. And there's one track for the drums, and then there's a whole other track for the songs where they, where they put the drums in. They played the songs in. Mm-hmm. And it's like really controlled, but to an extent, it's really limited, right? Right. And right. it takes away the wildness that was the drums. Like you notice, know, ever since Billy Dean, drums have been really 
subdued, you know, when it comes to track. And that's why, um, uh, uh, what's it called, being popular. Uh, um, drum machines and stuff. Yeah, it's easier, but if you look at how Billy Jean is put together, right, mm-hmm. and you look at the sonicness of Billy Jean, which is a great track, but it's limiting on the wildness that Stevie Wonder put in, you know, and the wildness of the drum, you know, but it's, it's controlled because, you know, Michael Jackson, he loves the groove of dance. But, so, one thing that I wanted to bring back Right into mm-hmm. live drumming was uh, our drummer, you know, Conrad. He plays gospel pop, which is you know kind of the same thing that that Stevie Wonder was doing, especially with As uh, from you know As Always. You know, that's one of my favorite drums uh, ever. You know, that's one of my favorite tracks ever by Stevie Wonder. But mm-hmm. you know, the wildness of the drums and stuff like that. It's just to me. That was what's missing in in a lot of music, mm. and it's missing in soul music nowadays. It's just so flat. But then you go to gospel music, and them drums are getting crazy. So I was like, you know what? That <laughs> needs to come back into popular music. That that needs to come back into popular music. And ever since our drummer Conrad came into the band, uh, because I'm not the original singer of the band. And Conrad's not the original drummer. Uh, I mean, we're, we're all, uh, we all came through and many cousins, friends with and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, the whole story, you know, just going around and, you know, meeting, how we met each other, you know, just like, just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And so, to, like, just the drumming that we're doing going with, you know, I wanted to, uh, like, I just have to cutting and editing one of our newer songs. Mm. And, you know, normally on a, on a pop track, you don't hear the drummer going crazy. You don't hear him doing certain fills. And I was like, nah, I want these fills. I want these type of, of action within it. I need that life put back into the pop music. You know, I, 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 don't, don't get me wrong, I love Billie Eilish. You know, I think uh, what she's doing, what her West singing is, is, is different. Mm-hmm. But I'm just tired of this band that's music, man. I'm tired of everybody who's just so chilled out, man. I'm tired of it. I need, I need excitement. I need, I need that Teddy Pittagrass yelling and hollering in the back of it. And pop music is really all about the beat, how it sounds, is it, you know, is it, because if it's like a, think about it, have you ever heard a pop song other than maybe Maroon 5 or Billie Eilish where the lyrics actually make sense to you in literal form? Like, I can listen to, let's say, John Mayer. I can take one of his songs and listen to it and kind of understand where he's going, but if I'm listening to... uh, Lipa. Some of the songs, I'm just like, okay, I don't understand what they're trying to say here, but yeah. the beat and the melody is catchy, so I'm in on it. And, 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 that's, and, and that's the thing, like, it, to me, a lot of people just love the track. They, mm-hmm. they don't love the lyrics. They don't know, some of them don't even understand what the person is saying. You know, right. and nowadays, they really ain't saying that. They're probably just, uh, 
I mean, it's like lunch time in the day, I'll say. And people are like, ah, I, I'm arguing with this one dude. He was like, but James Brown, same thing. Like, nah, man. James Brown was actually saying something, mm-hmm. you know. And he was like, he was like, yeah, but you was like, you know, admin and, you know, let you know he's in the room. I was like, yeah, but there was somebody somewhere at the same time, you know. Like, he wasn't just, just saying stuff just to say stuff. Right. He was actually doing stuff, you know. He was like, bye, I love y'all, 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 yeah, yeah. Because, you just said, I think you would do well, you know, I'm up in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, um, to me, it's like, um, you know, there's a style, and, uh, like, I, I wanted to bring that, I was reading this, this documentary a couple of years ago, um, okay, uh, my bad, I'm driving this thing, so I'm you know, you're good, dude. <laughs> you're good. Yeah. <laughs> But I was reading this thing about Sandy Pittergrass. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, and they were, they, they were talking about how, um, you know, before his accident, uh, where he got crippled, mm-hmm. that uh, he was, he was the, you know, they were about to make like him like a, a, a sham, you know, slash, uh, what's that movie? Uh, 007, like a black 007 type thing. Uh, and I knew you were supposed to be calling me around five, so I was like, okay, make sure. And then the phone died. Uh, 
Okay. Like a crazy, yeah. So it just, I just messed up everything. So my phone died, so I had to go to Walmart, trying to the uh, privacy, and they left the power cord at the hotel. Yeah, so, okay, I'm ready. Go ahead. Do it, ask me a question. I just, I just go it. No, dude, you're, no, you're good, dude. We we just literally just shoot the bull yeah, yeah. on the podcast mostly. Um, I dig that. So you sound like I heard you um, when you were you seeing if you can make that turn. I get nervous yeah. like that sometimes too. Like, am I gonna be able to fit in this parking spot? Knowing you're able to, do you ever just get like mm-hmm. that's how anxious I get sometimes? Like, man, what if I don't? And then because I get, man, I had a bad day today. I um speaking of driving, I was backing out of my driveway and my I had bought my vehicle and the the thing is when the windows are too tinted you can't see a thing in like early morning late at night you can't see nothing and so I thought I had the turn and I hit the side of my house and there's this big scratch from the door all the way to the fender and I'm like oh my god and I I haven't even had it six months, so I'm just like, God, what am I doing? So, what are things like driving that makes me anxious? Because of like, if I'm having to pull a trailer, then I'm like, oh, I'm gonna freak out because I'm it's just just how I'm built. So, what what are things like that that make you anxious? Well, you know, with me, anxiousness and stuff like that, um, I. Um, I used to get super anxious about phone calls. Okay. Like, if, uh, and it became a problem, man. Uh, like, if I wanted to call somebody, mm-hmm. I would feel it physically, and, uh, uh, it, 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 it became bad, man, where I would, like, want to, like, just blow up somebody's damn phone. And shit. And I had to check myself one time. I was like, yo, what's going on? And I just then I realized, yo, this is an anxiety like. Yeah. And I was like, you know, and I was like, uh, you know, uh, I had to apologize to um, one of my peeps. I was like, yeah, I didn't realize that uh, that that's what it was. You know, and I'm still in this the stage of want to call, 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 call. You know, and that's, 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 you know, 
in a fight over a Burger King cheeseburger when in actuality they didn't get in a fight because of the cheeseburger there was some disrespect in there somewhere that they didn't report yeah exactly 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 like it's either like Oh, uh, okay. 
Can I ask this? And if I'm being out of line, I apologize. What is it? Why don't black people in general like to swim? Like, is you it know just... what? It has a it has a lot to do. It, it, it's crazy because uh, I I was asking that question trying to be funny before somebody, and it actually has a lot to do with segregation. Um, the you know we weren't allowed to in the, the, the public pools and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, to learn how to uh, how to uh, so we like you know public pools and community pools became open so they weren't open to to, to color folks you know they would mm-hmm. put acid in the damn uh, yeah. to, to try to stop black, black folks from doing it so it's kind of like um, you know when you don't have access to something and you know the, the your mother and your mother's mother, your mother's mother's mother. And then, like, maybe somebody goes to the beach one day and drowns. Okay, then, you know, everybody's like, okay, you ain't going to be trying to do that. Right. <laughs> you know? Mm. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, little social economic things affect so many things. And mm. something as little as learning how to live. You know, I mean, now... You know, I think we got a, a black Olympic gold medalist that, that, that just recently won. That right. just, you know, kills that stereotype. But, right. you know, um, learning and having access in the ghetto, I mean, I don't know how many ghettos have uh, pools around them. Right. You know, and having access, you know, the same, same thing goes with nutrition and eating right and stuff like that. It's... It all has to do with what's available, what has access to the hood, before it's intensified, right? Because in the hood, it was the hood in Brooklyn, and now all of a sudden you go to Brooklyn and it don't look like Brooklyn no more. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Harlem don't look like Harlem no more. You know, the, the demographics ain't there like that no more. The gentrification of it, the mood, everything. And now you're starting to see pools. Now you're starting to see, mm-hmm. you know, nice people. You know, the potholes. You don't see the liquor stores on every single corner. You know, all of a sudden, it's just getting real nice. You know? Mm. You know, you ain't living for the city no more. You know? It's just like, the opportunities and the jobs that were there, but when I get access to those jobs, it just, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why I, I wrote the, the song Stupid Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote that song like years ago before Donald Trump. When I saw how the uh, how everybody was really selfish mm-hmm. within their their voting, you know, really opened my eyes, and I was like, it's not, it's not a everybody votes for self interest, and there's just there, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But when I saw it turn into a place of well, I don't care about how this affects you, you know, I got to get mine, you know, I don't care about these things, you know, I don't care about, uh, you know, A, B, C, and D, I don't care about that, mm-hmm. I care about me, him, me, <laughs> you know, that's right. A, B, C, and D, just him and me, that's it, that's all I care about, and maybe I, <laughs> yeah, and- you know. 
I, I usually stay away from politics personally because, like, I don't vote. I don't talk about, man. I know, but I. Here's my thing. If I vote, let, let's say if I was to vote for presidency, I would have a say so and could piss off thousands and, uh, of people. But if I don't what? vote and keep what? my mouth what? shut, what? Like, because uh-huh. you're always going to. I'm neither Republican nor Democrat. I'm kind of mm-hmm. in between. So I'm neither. I'm not against a Republican or de- against Democrat. But let's say if I was to vote Democrat, then Republicans could, you know, they're always going to freak out and be like, yeah, yeah, you're stupid. You not know what's best for the world. But if you vote Republican, the Democrats are going to say the same thing. So it's hate on both ends. That's kind of why I stay out of the fire. Well, then, well see, but the, the, thing, the thing is, the thing is, there's so many different parts in the politics, and this stuff controls your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, okay, I'll give you an example, right? Right? And this is recently, like, a couple of hours happened to me, right? Where uh, I went to, uh, a couple months ago, I went to, uh, well, July, I went to the emergency room, right? And uh, I was having, so my, my heart was, like, beating me away, right? Right? It, was, it, it felt weird. I didn't know what it was. And it was because I was, uh, I've been trying to lose weight and stuff like that. So, you know, the, everything becoming an imbalance and stuff like that. Changing my diet and stuff like that. So, <clears throat> I didn't feel good. And my, my mother and my grandmother just passed on this before she passed. And they were like, oh, you're not. I was supposed to come and do some shows with Down North. And they were like, oh, you're not getting on that plane. Mm. Unless you get your heart checked out, right? Mm. So I went to the uh, ER. I don't like going to the ER because I rather go to a primary care mm-hmm. um, because you know ER falls trickle down. You know, so morally I don't like it. But at this particular point, I didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to the ER and you know I got checked out. The doctor said, oh, you got to get out. I had to stay overnight, so they were like, you know, um, just want to double-check to make sure it was good to stay overnight. So I did, and this was like, you know, you're good, you know, you're actually better than good, you, you know, your, 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 your doing pretty good, your, your cholesterol is down, everything's down, you know, you're doing good for you, you know, I'm like, okay, work. I'm not that old, I don't know why you did that, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I guess my weight and stuff like that,
gotta know who's got the artist back, you know, at the end of the day. And, you know, I don't agree with a lot of stuff Republicans go for, but there's some fiscal stuff that I don't agree with them with. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, like I said, I agree with this. There's a middle of the room with everything. You know, and I don't, I don't agree 100% with some social stuff. But I do agree with President Trump this year. You know, some things affect me, some things won't affect me. But I also look at some things that don't affect me. I look how they might affect other people. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, when I go stupid, man. That's what I was trying to say. Where somebody has to break the chain. Where there has to be more emphasis in, mm-hmm. in, in our lives today. Uh, there's a lot of, I think, what the Internet has done, especially with, with social media, um, and 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 um, cloud chasers. It's all me, 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 me. My call. I believe it has a lot to do psychologically. I went to school. Uh, I went to camp for a couple of years for human sexuality, mm. and uh, you know, just psychology major and shit like that. And I wrote this thesis on Elmo <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because before. Um, before you had, you know, you had Sesame Street. Mm. And Sesame Street was this ensemble cast. You had all these different Muppets, and then you had the cast, you know, adults and stuff, and then little kids. But then Elmo came around, and Elmo is like self-absorbed. Right. You know, Elmo's like, I don't know what they mean. I don't know what they mean. I don't know You know, but it's Elmo. And it becomes... A, um, it becomes like a, a, a selfish type thing. And then that same generation grew up to be, you know, the, the dot promise. And grew up to be, you know, the influencer that we are right now. I mean, I look at the alt right, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, there's a country with, with the Tiki. They, they look around 23. 
because you, you can count yeah. Blade, but I don't really, really think that counts because you know not not a lot of kids are gonna watch Blade. But it showed the black kids that hey, you can be a superhero and you can be the president of the United States, and I think that was just a beautiful picture that we saw the last ten years. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think that you know representation is very, very, very important, uh, and inclusion is very important. Um, but I also feel that, like, you know, um, like, like for instance, mm-hmm. uh, I was I was uh, chatting with my friends about Post Malone, right, and or or Miley Cyrus, mm-hmm. right. And it's like, for representation is cool, but exploitation uh, is, is, a, is a different thing where, you know, if if I was to sit down and make a certain record, right, mm-hmm. it's only going to be played in certain places. Like, you got, um, like, where Down North is a, we call it soul punk band. But in actuality, we're just a rock band, right? Mm-hmm. Where, but everybody wanted to call us a funk band. And it really, like, for, for a this I said, it pisses him the fuck off. Right? Like, he hates it. And it has a lot to do racially. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you see four black dudes and with instruments. And automatically people think, fuck. Ain't no right. damn horns in this band. Right. Ain't no horns in this band. We got psychedelic guitars, shit going crazy, you know, with mm. crazy effects and all the other stuff. With guitar solos, ain't nobody rapping. And all the other, uh, all most people, not y'all, but all most people think is, oh, this is a funk band or it's funk rock. No. why he got eight Grammys 
is because he was pissed off that off the wall didn't get the right. love it did. And it was only into it was only in the black um, genre. Mm-hmm. You know, it was only in the disco urban black charts. You know, and it was separating. He was like, No, off the wall is a pop album, you know, and it's you know, I need to be I need to be accepted into the pop realm. So then you know, he changed his style up. And that's why Thriller sounds the way it does. It's it's very, um, very, I say it's safe. I mean, they, they did a lot of uh, things with it, but it is very commercially, you know, appealing right. to a certain audience versus trying to just make the best album that, 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 that can be made. It was purposely trying to, you know, it was like a, um, I'm going to make sure y'all don't like this. I'm going to force you to like this. You don't like it. You don't have to love it. Right. You know, you had a team that believed in him and was able to push those boundaries. But then you have Rick James on the other end, right, who was on a label that was black-owned and couldn't get his stuff played. So you had Michael Jackson was on Epic, who used to be on Motown, but now he's on a white label. So, you know, Epic um, and, and Tony was able to twist the arm of MTV. And then, but you have Rick James, who was selling out tickets, you know, had music videos. But the crazy thing about MTV was they had to go to Europe who would make a whole bunch of music videos and grab all their videos because they didn't have enough content with just American artists because American artists weren't making music videos like that. They didn't see the, the uh, spending a million dollars or spending so much on their um, their budget to create a music video. They didn't see the point of it at the time in, in the early 80s. So that's why you had your waves just blew up and your shit blew up in the 80s because there were so many music videos stacked out there. He did this stuff in, um, excuse me, it was just saying. But then you got Michael Jackson saw that and said, okay, it's blowing up. But see, the thing about it is, black artists had a whole bunch of music videos. You could see old 80s music videos and 70s music videos that could have been played on MTV but were never played on MTV, right? Mm-hmm. And the David Bowie called him out on it. He was like, because he was good friends with uh, Luther Pendrose. And he was like, and you know, him and Luther worked a lot. And he was like, why aren't you playing black music? It took David Bowie to call them out. And for Michael Jackson and uh, Prince and Warner Brothers and Epic push the arm to let black music come in. And it still was a thing. It took BET. BT blew up because because they were the only people who was uh, playing black um, music and mm-hmm. it started to blow up and then there was TV raps came in and all this other stuff came in so it was like <clears throat> the thing that I'm learning with Sal Norris is you know other than the is that if when it comes to you know anything. If the exposure is there, then people will see it, and people will, 
that people would do this. And that's all that we're always asking is how can we get more exposure? How can we get out there as artists and not be limited, not have to always play the soul or the jazz or the blues festival? Why can't I play the pop festival? Right. Because when you do let me on the pop festival and not in the underground, you know, not in the underground part of the festival. Now, nah, put me on the big stage. I will outrock anybody on that big stage. My grandfather, who used to have a, uh, a whole bunch of clubs on the killer circuit, right? And he would tell me stories um, uh, about when he, uh, you know, like the, you ever heard the story of Joe Tech and James Brown? And James Brown shot the club. But that was like, that was one of my grandpa's groups. I'm, I'm not sure. You can, if you want to, you can tell it real quickly. I'm, I'm not sure if I've heard oh, well, it or not. Okay, so, 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 James Brown, don't think of a girlfriend, right? And I guess James Brown, you know, had that tongue, and he, he stole her from her, right? Oh, okay. So, 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 Joe Tech was, he wrote a song called James, you can hide it, right? Show, you know, or we cannot play the show. It doesn't matter to me. 
I'm going to keep it going. This is my business. I got to be here and I got to survive and have an agreement. If you wanted more, you should ask for more. You know, that, but the agreement was this. This is what you get. You know, so it was like my grandpa was the only person that was allowed to call James Brown James. Everybody else had to call him Mr. Brown. But James Brown only allowed my grandpa to call him James. Wow. So it was like, yeah, yeah, they had a, they had a respect. My grandpa didn't like him too much. Um, you know, it was a different era. Right. Um, and stuff like that. But uh, my grandpa didn't like that he shit with me. He, he didn't like that. And um, he was like, uh, I guess James Brown, um, this was like the, 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 the second to the last time that James Brown was at his club. And it was him and it was Tammy Terrell. Right? And Tammy Terrell was his backup singer at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she was a big flirt, right? So my my grandfather's brother, he was a little bit younger than him, right? And he was, uh, I guess he just uh, got into the service. Mm-hmm. You know, so he was coming in, strapped with all the you know, night clothes and, you know, the uniform and stuff like that. And she's flirting with him. And James Brown, I guess he got jealous. So instead of fighting the man, he goes and starts beating Tammy Terrell. Mm-hmm. So my grandpa jams him up and you know, puts the gun in his face. It's like, you ain't gonna hurt her. You ain't gonna hit her like that. And they, 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 they took her and took her to my, my, my grandma's and grandma's place. And she stayed the night there until her parents came and picked her up. And then after that, she went from there and went to Motown, to Detroit. So a lot of, a lot of these stories still happen in, in my grandfather's club. Shot, 
you know, if I get turned down, okay, cool. We still friends, though. You know, spread with you in my shot. You know, that, that's how it go, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just learning how to perform and, you know, being around those type of stories, you know, I learned a lot. And, um, yeah. So, last question here, man, as we, we're going, uh, we're over an hour now, which is uh, crazy because this has been a very interesting and fantastic talk with you. So, <laughs> and I ain't talking about nothing I was supposed to talk about. I ain't talking about the new music. We got some new music on the way. Uh, I'm excited. You know, we've been working hard, and the guys, they've been, um, we, we've all been like just jamming a lot. And coming up with brand new ideas, mm-hmm. um, so it's it, 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 the new the new music that's coming. Oh man, I'm I'm very 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 excited. Uh, we're it's not like we're going in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, still has that down north sound, but um, it's you know we're now we now understand our sound better. So now that we understand our sound, we can really you know, experiment with it more. And I think I'm really excited about that. And then, you know, we got more shows coming up. Uh, we're going to be touring a lot. We're going to be doing, you're going to hear a lot more about that on more um, real soon. Um, so, you know, you didn't know who we were before I managed to tell you about us, but y'all about to find out now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when uh, I do this for all new people, if, if, if they want the open invite um when you get your new music out i will play it over the air uh okay or what i'm what i'm legally able to do without copyright uh like third i think it's like 30 to 75 seconds now or something like that i will play it over the air and then i'll get you back on to talk about all your new music and um all that fun stuff like that cool but one question that I wondered because I was doing research and mainly because your manager told me to ask this question specifically, mm-hmm. why doesn't Down North play Seattle? Anymore? Anymore. Or uh, lately? Yeah, why don't you why well, don't you, you know, why don't you guys play Seattle anymore? Well so so here's the thing, here's the thing. Alright. <laughs> I think Jesus said it best. You know, you're not a prophet in your own hometown. You know, mm-hmm. and it's about, to me, it's about a respect. Um, you know, we've been holding it down here for, uh, um, for, for, for about almost 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm able to go to any other city and can get radio interviews, I can get press. I'm able to chat, you know, and, and open up for major artists, you know, all over, you know, and play huge festivals, you know, to play the big stage of these festivals. But Seattle was so dead on push, right, that I can't do that. And Seattle has this, has this sort of kind of race problem. You know, it, uh, there was this documentary a while ago called We Don't Group. And it was about um, the the bands that were around here in the uh, 60s and 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you had uh, T.T. was in one of the bands called the Black and White Affair, right? 
And you had all this dope band where you had Quincy Jones, who was head of A&R at the time, trying to sign all of them, right? right? But they couldn't get no traction because it's just, just like how hip hop is right now, you have to you have to nail down your local market, right? And mm-hmm. you have to have labels and stuff to look at you. They want to see, like, six good markets, and they want to see you sell out your own market. They want you to sell, like, 150 tickets at other six other markets, but they want to see you sell out your market. And it's like, for the longest, you know, um, station here, which is a total station, right? I love the station. I listen to it all the time. It's called KSP, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's a dope station, right? But it's got way too much power for its own good. And mm-hmm. it's a college station. And college stations are supposed to be corky, you know, have different stuff. It's not supposed to really play pop music, you know, not popular or... You know, it's supposed to play the stuff that you're not going to hear anywhere else, right? But it's so powerful in Seattle (laughs) where if an artist is local and they get played in there, man, it's a sell out of show. And um, because they, but, but but what happens is they get to, because those artists will be dope on KSP, but then they leave out that market that that that, that where that that frequency stops at, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they can't sell no tickets. So then they get the the hard reality of not being able to cross over and do other stuff because their stuff was not radio friendly. Only person who was able to crack the code. Seriously, it was Macklemore. And Macklemore was able to crack that code by, um, by, by, by having two Macklemores. One was the KSP Macklemore, one was the Radio Philly Macklemore. And uh, when he was able to do his radio friendly stuff, he had the backing to do it, and he kept it in the clutch, and he didn't release it until the But now the KSP and KSP was blowing his stuff up, and he was able to transition
lot, you can't, as, uh, as an artist, it, generally faulting when it comes to art. Yeah. It's got the gentrification going on at the same time, but, you know, it, it's really, it was really hard mm-hmm. for us to, you know, break into this market. Mm-hmm. It, became, it became a struggle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? It's a lot easier for me to go on the road. I can build my fan base and everything is online now. I get a lot more people on our shows. I get to grow our fan base by not playing in Seattle. So I'd rather, you know, make my uh, make my pilgrimage to Galilee. Make my pilgrimage to Bethlehem. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, uh, before I go back to Nazareth. Before I go back to Seattle. And we, we got, we've had some offers and stuff like that, but I made a conscious decision for us not to play Seattle and not to ruin that market um, for a while. It's, uh, in March of the year, in March of the year that we haven't played Seattle. And we might even go past that because we really feel that at the end of the day, you know, the clubs wasn't giving us at the time uh, the right type of numbers that I know that they were giving other artists. Right? Mm-hmm. They were giving us bad deals. I, uh, um, uh, not all the clubs, but there were some clubs that were doing that. And I started noticing, you know, we wanted to get ourselves played on the radio. And people are loving our music, but we couldn't get it played on the radio. But I can go and I can uh, chat with other um, cities. You know, big cities. I ain't talking about just small cities. I'm about big cities. And then we're able to get into certain clubs. You know, and I'm not saying, like, you know, I, anybody owes us anything. Nobody knows, owes you anything in the world. But, you know, respect what we do. You know, respect us as artists, you know. And um, I'm not the only artist that deals with this. I'm just the only one that says, no, nah, I'm not going to take it. You know, other artists will be like, okay, let's just do what we do. You know, this is, this is the, the cards that we dealt. And I just decided... We're not gonna play Seattle for a while, mm-hmm. you know, until until Seattle is ready. Until Seattle, until I know that I can sell out the show in Seattle. You know, Seattle knows who we are. You know, so I don't need to play Seattle. I I I, I want to play Seattle. I love and I miss playing Seattle, but I can't play Seattle right now because Seattle doesn't want me to play. So I'm not gonna play there. Have you ever thought of looking at it as a different, at a different, I guess a different angle? Like, if I do play there, then this will show that they haven't defeated me. They haven't got the best of me because I'm not. Oh no no no! I'm not saying no no. They didn't defeat nothing. No, they defeated me. I'm I'm just saying that right now, I got victory somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, I got I got victories and stuff somewhere else. Don't go in where you're not wanted right now. Right now, I'm not even felt that bad, not that much over there, which is fine. And the crazy thing is that there's a movement in what we're doing. You got Bear Ass, you got you got uh, Aaron Jones, you got all uh, uh, you know uh, uh, you got Cold Nose, you got. Uh, uh, 
You got Kenny James Free and 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 uh Devon uh, Omar. You know, you got you got all them cats who are really doing it. Who are mm-hmm. in, in our in our town they're not you got marmalade. You know, you, our towns aren't the same, but there is a good how how brand was. So there's a movement that is going on around there that is focused around the type of music that we're doing, but it's not getting the love that the grunge movement and stuff deserves. And you know what the grunge movement has to end up doing to the first two? How did it going that way? It was going to Europe. It's like Timmy Hendrix. Timmy Hendrix couldn't get big in Seattle. Timmy Hendrix had to go overseas to get big. So this ain't nothing new. Mm-hmm. This ain't nothing new when it comes to Seattle and Seattle understanding what it has in its own backyard. You know, because if that was the case, then you got the fastest rapper in the world, right? Who beat the Guinness Book of World Record three times. There's no clue. He lives, and he lived for the longest, born and raised in Seattle, Washington, right? Had a million followers on on his Facebook, not Facebook, but on his um Instagram, not Instagram, MySpace page. I'm going way back, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a he had a million followers on his on his MySpace page, right? And millions of views on his YouTube. Could not get a booking mm-hmm. in Seattle, Washington. What kind of mess is that? No other city would ever do that, right? That's what I'm talking about. This is not nothing new. So I understand that with, with Seattle, you have to go out and come in. I mean, you can look at what's called Alice Bowl. I saw what was showing our shows before uh, where it came out. Seattle has a, has a problem with understanding his own talent. So, you know, I'm just I'm just bold enough to call it out. Everybody else, you know, they love Seattle. I, I love Seattle too, but... Uh, we're not going to play that for a while. Well, Anthony, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, for those listening, Thanks, you bro. can go follow Anthony at Anthony Briscoe. That's B-R-I-S-C-O-E on Instagram. Man, appreciate it. And don't feel bad that we didn't hit the points that your management said to hit because I think if we would have done that, this wouldn't have been a deep and great conversation, in my opinion. <laughs> well, man, what did he ask? I can't remember what he said. I think we did, didn't we? We we hit most points. We didn't hit all the points, but we can always do, gonna, come back and do a sequel. Kick, kick my tail. <laughs> <laughs> no, if he does do, send it my way. Send it my way. Uh, no, he good. All right, dude. Thanks, man. All right, man. You take
that joke. Pretty good, that. You know, good. I'm gonna also gonna go in and do a little my top five biographical movies. You're gonna hear all that when you come back next Monday. Thanks to Anthony Briscoe for coming on this week. As always, in the meantime and in between time, enjoy and frown less. Smile more when you smile more. There's less frowns to go around. Turn the frown upside down. Live your life a quarter mile at a time. The first spaceship didn't make it to the moon. You're going to fail, but you're going to get back up on that horse. You're going to ride away. See you on the flip side. This podcast is brought to you by HodgePodge Productions. Enjoy and frown less.